Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We've been doing this series called Anchored, and we're talking about being anchored in the storm. Many times when people are going through a difficult season, their tendency sometimes is just to cut and run and, and try to get away from the storm. But if, but if we're wise, we'll just anchor deep, we'll endure the storm, and we'll be at the place that we need to be when this storm is over. And it will be over. It will pass. This too shall pass. And that first week, we talked about four anchors in our life that we have as followers of Jesus. And number one is this, is that he is present. The second one is that he is protector. The third is he is provider. And the fourth one is he is peace. He doesn't just give us peace. He actually is peace. So we just, we, we're laying those anchors. We're establishing those things in our life as we move forward in faith. And last week, we talked about how that we are actually part of the tribe of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham by faith. And Abraham, the friend of God, was a man who is known really as the founder of our faith. And God has grafted us in to Abraham. So we are now children of Abraham. All the promises that were given to Abraham belong to us because we are, have put our faith, we are also putting our faith in Jesus, in what God has provided. And today, I want to continue talking a little bit about Abraham, and I want to talk about the issue of hope. I think if we need anything right now during this season, it's hope. We all need some hope. We don't need to just cope. We actually need Hope And many people are content with coping, but I'm not. I, I, I need to have hope in my life. I need, I need to feel excited about something. And I, I want today, I want you to get your hopes up. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult during this season, but I want to get your hopes up today. Because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. So when we talk about hope, what we're talking about is we're talking about favorable and confident expectation. Favorable and confident expectation. That's what hope is. It hope says, you know what? I'm I'm looking up. I'm keeping my head up. I'm I've got confidence. I'm favored and I expect based on those terms. I have confidence and favorable expectation. It makes me think about my kids. I have four kids, and the two younger ones are at this stage in their life where they want to wrestle with dad. And so if I just give them just a little bit of a push or a little bit of a nudge, or I, I just, you know, kind of look at them a certain way, they get all excited and and Uriah will put his dukes up, and he'll kind of get ready to, to jump in a fight. And Elisa will say, hey, let's let's fight. It's fine. And, and most, most of the time, especially right now, I'm like, well, you're going to have to give me a minute. I'm right in the middle of something. They think because I'm home 24-7 that I'm on wrestling all the time. But they have this, this expectation when I look at them a certain way, whenever I, when I react to a certain way, when I give them a certain look in my eye, whenever I look at them, they know that, hey, it could be playtime. And they have this expectation about that. Dad's here so we can play. And I, and I feel like that's a good descriptor of hope. It's kind of like the kids waiting in the hallway for Christmas. It's like they, are, they know that something good is happening. It's about to get good. If I will just hang in the pocket, I will see the goodness of God. But this is what hope looks like. It's the favorable expectation of good. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> It is by his great mercy that we've been born again 
Because God raised Christ from the dead, now we live, get this, with great expectation. And we have this priceless inheritance. I want to repeat that again. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. The inheritance that we have in Christ is priceless. And we have hope in that. So I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, to keep your hope up. When we talk about faith, we're talking about being rooted and positionally positionally rooted in a person. We're talking about, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. That's where my faith is. That's where I'm established. That's where my trust is. But hope is based upon a promise. Hope says, you know what? I believe something good is coming. I'm trusting the one who made the promise, and I have hope because he made that promise. And when we have hope, it affects everything. It affects our attitude. It affects our, it affects our de- demeanor. It affects the way that we treat our kids, our families, strangers around us. When we have hope, it, it affects everything. I, I would suggest this, that hope is at the core of emotional health. If you want to be healthy emotionally, what you need most is you need more hope. You need more hope. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto him... Who is, enabling, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. What is he saying? He's saying, keep your hopes up. God is, God is able to do more than you can ask. God is able to do more than you can imagine. What's he saying? He's saying, keep your hopes up. Your hope is in God. Keep your hopes up. When Jesus said, all things are possible if you believe, what is he talking about? He's, he's talking about have hope that is beyond what anybody else is hoping. All things are possible. That means that you can have really high hopes. So the world will tell you, don't, give, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. You might be let down. But God says, get your hopes up higher because I'm ready to blow you away. And this is what we see in the life of Abraham. We see a man of faith, but we also see a man of great hope. And it says this in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And this is Abraham after he's received his promise. He's, he's received Isaac. Isaac's a child now. Abraham is old in years. And God calls to him. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, oh, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And this is what it says in verse 3. Now, he's, he's telling him to give his son, his only son. He's, he's asking him to forfeit the promise that God had given him. And this is what it says in verse 3. The next morning. The next morning. He didn't wait the next year or the next decade in Abraham's life that we see. No, no, no. He got up the next morning. He got up early. He saddled his donkey and two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Verse 5, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder, and he himself carried a knife and the fire in the knife, 
And the two of them walked together. And Isaac, who's probably about 15 years old, looks, turns and looks to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, Abraham makes this statement, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar. And he arranged the wood on it. And he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, at that moment, an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham, what is he doing? He's saying, Abraham, you used to be Abram, but now you're Abraham. Now you're the father of many nations. And he doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. Abraham, Abraham, let me get your attention. And when I'm calling you your name, I'm calling you your name based upon the covenant that we have established. You're the father of many nations. Don't forget that. Yes, Abraham replied. Now, there's no exclamation point in the original language, but I believe there would have been like 50 if it was written today. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And I love verse 13. Then Abraham looked up. He looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. This is the story Not just of Abraham and Isaac. This is the story of Abraham's life that God will provide because he had seen God provide year after year. How could Abraham have such confident expectation in the midst of what God was asking him to do? In the midst of being willing to sacrifice his only son. How could he have, I mean, if God asked me something like that, I would lose all hope. But Abraham gained all hope in that moment. He woke up the next morning. What, what stirred this in Abraham? Well, I would suggest today that, number one, it's because Abraham was postured towards promise. Abraham had a promise. He had that promise for a long time. And he was trusting and waiting on God for what he promised. And I would suggest this, that he wasn't really waiting on God. He was waiting upon God. And waiting, waiting upon the Lord, many times we look at that, we, we kind of look at it as what you would do when you go to the doctor's office. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone to see me, to tell me what's wrong with me. Sometimes we, we look at God like that. But when you got a promise, when you know that the report from the doctor is going to be good, when you already know the report's going to be good, you can have hope in that moment. And I would suggest today that when God promises you something, And even in the promises of God that we have in Scripture, there will be a time frame. There will be a time to see those promises. But we're waiting upon the Lord. We're not anxiously waiting. We're not holding out. 
Well, we'd even say holding out hope. No, no, we're holding on to hope. We're holding on to the man who is hope. We rest. There's rest in his promise with great expectation. I I like to think of it this way. Uh, Those tubes that they have that we, I believe they're called pneumatic tubes, the tubes that they have whenever you pull up at the bank, right? All this air, all this pressure causes it to suck the documents through from you to the, to, to transport them from you to the, to the, uh, the teller. That's what the promises of God are like. It's like I'm sitting at the bank. I have a check that is as good as cash. And when I sign that check and I put it in and I send it in, that tube, that pneumatic tube, it just goes over. And I know it's just a matter of time before it comes back. It's just a matter of time before the money is back in my hand. And, beloved, this is the way it is when we trust God. He is good for it. It's not a check that's going to bounce. His promises don't bounce. They're good. They remain They're steadfast. They're stable. And what I love about this is when that trust is established, when I know that the the check is going to cash, obedience is easy. It's easy for me to say. When I realize how good God is, it's easy to obey him. And I think that this is the posture of Abraham. He knew how good God was. He was God's friend. He knew God would provide. But he was also willing to do whatever God had asked him to do. See, when we're holding out hope, when we're trusting in him, when we're waiting on God, we're not being held hostage. We are being held in the embrace of a kind and gracious champion. We're not, we're, not, we're not waiting on God who is mean, who is withholding and angry and just always trying to, no, 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 no. Listen, we are not being held hostage. We're being held in his arms. He's going, listen, this too will pass. I'm right here. I've got you. I'm gracious. I'm kind. I'm compassionate. And I am your champion. I am the overcoming one. And I will give you strength. We are postured towards the promise. This is how we have confident expectation. The promise. The promise of provision. The promise that God is going to take care of you. The promise of healing. That God is going to heal your body. The the, the promise of wholeness. The promise of freedom from addiction. The promise. All the provisions of the cross. And I would suggest to you this, is that what he promised he already Attained. It's in the tube. It's in the tube. I love it. When our hope is well placed. When our hope is well placed in the promises of God. When our hope is well placed. And we are in covenant. Listen, we are in covenant with the everlasting God who does not know how to break his promises. Hebrews chapter 6, we hit on this last week. I want to hit it one more time today. God did this so that two unchangeable things, again, his oath and his promises, things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him take hold of the hope set before us that we may be greatly 
encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. It's firm and secure. It enters the sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Our hope is in Jesus, the promise, the provision of God. God's promise is always the greater reality. That's why when we pray, that's why when we pray, we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Because everything that we hope for, heaven holds. Everything that we desire, everything that we need, heaven holds. So we're praying, Matthew 6.10. Matthew 6.10. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. This is, this is what we're going after. Our hope is in that because it's in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. He was postured toward promise. The second thing about Abraham is that he had a history of hope. He had a history of hope. Here's Abraham, about 115 years old. I mean, that's really old to be climbing mountains, putting your son, your 15-year-old boy on an altar. But God had promised long before this ever happened. In fact, when he was 75 years old, he receives this promise. You'll be the father of many nations. I mean, when you're, I don't know about, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you're 75 years old, you, your, your days of bearing children are pretty slim. Now, he's not bearing children, but he's got to do, put some work in in order for there to be children to be there. And he is 75 years old, has no kids, and God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. It's crazy. Father of many nations. And then 25 years later, <laughs> I mean, okay, 75, all right, tomorrow, yes. All right, we're good. 25 years later, he had a history of hope. And it wasn't just when he turned 75, this was the story of his life. Beloved, develop some hope history. How do you do that? Well, you celebrate little victories. Because when you celebrate little victories, it gives you courage for big victories. Celebrate little victories. And then celebrate again. How do I develop hope in my life? By celebrating. By celebrating little victories and then celebrating again. That's why it says in Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I like to say it like this. It doesn't just say joyce. It says rejoice, which means do it again. Celebrate and celebrate again. And celebrate and celebrate it again. Don't quit talking about it. Don't quit talking about how good God has been to you. It might have been something that had 30, happened 30 or 40 years ago, but don't stop talking about it. If that's what it takes for you to feel some hope today, then you go ahead and you just keep on talking about how God blessed you 30 years ago. Develop that history. We've all won. At some level, you say, oh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor Josh. I don't know. I, I, man, I, I mean, my life is, is, is full of mishaps and, and, and misunderstandings and misfortunes. My life has just been, has been riddled with pain. Nothing good has ever. Can I tell you today that one thing seals the deal that happened for you? God loved you so much that he sent his only son. I mean, you have won the jackpot because God loves you enough to come and die for you. You have this great anchor 
in Jesus. Maybe, maybe today your history of hope starts. Maybe it starts today. Maybe today God reveals himself to you. Maybe today during our service you experience the presence of God. Maybe it's the first time you've did it. Maybe today's the first time you've prayed in years. That's great. Let's start developing some history. Start living from that. Start saying, man, I remember when God did this in my life. Maybe your history, your history and hope starts today. The third thing that Abraham did is he spoke hope. Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his child. And he never repeats that. Look, look at this in verse 5. It says, the boy, he tells his servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and we will come right back. What is he? That's hope talking. That's hope talking because I know that God has promised me Isaac. And I know that he's promised that I will be the father of many nations. We're going to worship there. We're going to worship there. And we're going to come back. Then he looks at Isaac in verse 8, whenever he's concerned, thinking, man, where is the sacrifice? And he says, God will provide a sheep. God will provide a sheep, my son. God will provide. He spoke hope. Are you speaking hope? If you want to have, a, a ho- if you want to have hope in your home, then you've got to speak hope in your home. If you're just full of negativity, you're full of frustration all the time, if you're not speaking hope, don't expect hope to be there. Hope lingers where it's spoken. So speak some hope today. Talk about how things are going to get better. You might call that, well, I'm, I'm not an optimist. I'm a pessimist. I don't know what kind of ist you are, but I'm telling you, you need to be a hopist. You need to have hope. You need to establish hope by speaking hope. So Abraham was postured towards promise. He had a history of hope. He spoke hope. And number four, he looked up. He looked up. He looked up. And what did he see when he looked up? He saw the same thing that you see every time you looked up. He sees God's provision. He looked up. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns, by its horns in a thicket. Can you imagine the moment? Can you imagine? You, you know what God has promised you. It's here. And you, you think that it's about to be gone. You're about to lose it. And God says, don't touch the boy. I will provide. Can you imagine the intensity as he looks away and looks up at God's provision? He looked up. He looked up because that's what he always did. Abraham always looked up. See, hope keeps looking. That's what it does. Hope keeps looking. Hope is able to get out of bed tomorrow because it keeps looking. Just keep looking. Look up. Look up. Look up. Your redemption draws nigh. It draws close. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I love this. Favorite favorite passages. This is a good one for you to memorize. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him. One translation says it this way, Jesus, the beginner and the champion of our faith. He's the champion of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, 
For the joyful expectation, the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He goes on to say this, consider him who endured such opposition. What do you do when you feel like you've lost all hope? You look up. You look to the provision. You look to the greatest provision that God has ever provided. You look to Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition. Consider him. Look up. Look unto Jesus. You feel hopeless. You feel like you've, you've lost. You can't take any more losing. You can't take another bad day. Listen, I would suggest this to you today, and I said it last week. Hopelessness is an illusion. There is always hope because Jesus will forever be at the right hand of the throne of God. I read this passage this week in Matthew chapter 11. Go ahead, babe. And here's John the Baptist who has already baptized Jesus, who already knows who Jesus is. And he's thrown into prison. He's about to die. He's about to be beheaded. And, and John has these disciples that have been following him. And some of them are starting to follow Jesus during this time. And it says when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Are you the one? Are, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. Go back and report to John. Is there someone else? Go back and tell him. Go back and tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. You can stop searching. You can stop longing. You can stop running from relationship to relationship. From doctor to doctor. You can stop. You can place all your hope in this one. You can place all hope in this one. There is no one else. There's no greater gift that God will ever provide than Jesus. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one that you've been looking for. So I'm going to encourage you today that you would place your hope in Jesus. That you would look up to God's provision, to the man Jesus. That you would put your faith, that you would put your trust, that you would put your confidence in Him. That you would put your anxiety in Him because He cares for you. Would you trust Him? Today, in this moment, you need to start a history of hope. 
Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you have and maybe you're far from God. But I believe today, today can be the day that you reconnect with God. Today could be the day that you meet Jesus, where you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can stop looking. He's the one. He's the one you've been looking for. He's the provision that God has provided. Thank you.